0: Gold Stove Podcast. I am live from Austin, Texas. NRD live from parts are known. Uh, we are in the thick of hockey season. NRD, the uh, Team Lavaca Street Bar got the dub last night. We're off, the, off the skids. We lost two in a row. Nobody loses three in a row, though. You can't lose three in a row. If you lose two in a row, fine. Don't lose three in a row. We got the dub last night. Hard-fought win. NRD. What was the
1: uh, what was the Brett Merriman stat line from last
0: night? I think I put up uh, zeros across the board, but uh, a lot of a lot of good pressures, a couple bat checks, like some some key bat checks and breakout passes. But it wasn't my last. What wasn't my time to shine last night on the on the That's stat okay. sheet? I'll put it that
1: way. There's nothing wrong with that. There's you need that. I don't
0: think sometimes I was sometimes
1: McDavid. Sometimes McDavid doesn't score and the Oilers win, brother.
0: Exactly. I think it was plus two though. I'll, I'll take that. I'm on the ice. I definitely wasn't yeah. on the ice for a goal allowed. So I'll tell you, you know what? I'll take that. Sometimes you're just gonna have you're you're gonna put up zeros in a win. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. What's going on with you?
1: Nothing much, man. Hold it down. Like you said, we're in the thick of the season. It's been fun. Uh I think we're getting to that time of year where stuff's starting to pop up, and we're talking about Brock Besser and Bo Horvat scratching in Vancouver. I think we're slowly approaching that time of year of where you know, I talked about on Twitter last night about the work-life balance of NRD. Hopefully, we start tuning up the life a little bit and lessening down the work and we get ready for uh, for rumor season. It's a fun time of year.
0: I was going to say, this is this is uh, the time of year where it's sort of the calm before the storm, if you will. Right out of the holiday date that January starts heating up, uh, maybe a hockey trade or two is made, like the Buffalo Sabres did. We'll get to that. Um but now it's kind of just, it's kind of percolating. Because a lot of teams, I read something where it was like last year, you kind of knew who was in and out pretty much already. This year is not as much the case. you, you kind of agree with me there? No, I do. I agree with you. And so if you're kind of in and you're not, at, at least not super out of it, there's going to be sort of a, well, you know what? Maybe we'll hold on to this person or that body. There's very few teams that are just horrendous, right? So we'll see how that affects the trade deadline. I did mention the Sabres made a trade. We'll get that out of the way quick. Oscari Laxonen, famously a third round pick for Buffalo like five years ago now, traded to Dallas for Joseph Ciccone. Am I doing that right, NRD? Yeah. No
1: news to my ears so I, I would put stock into the fact that you're doing it right
0: joseph c-e-c-c-o-n-i our uh, our italian friends of the cold stove podcast can can hit me with the pronunciation of that but uh hockey trade in buffalo and dallas basically ahl depth for ahl depth kind of a change of scenery uh sort of hockey trade but we got movement nrd how about that
1: yeah, we got our first trade of the year. What did what did one GM say to Elliot like last week? It was like we got no fucking money to do anything. Right. Like we'd like to do shit, but we can't do shit. The- so it's good. That's the first domino. When we talk about the dominoes falling, that clearly was the first domino struck by the Dallas Stars and the Buffalo Sabres, and that? we'll go from
0: there. So before before we talk, because we do want to talk money, we want to talk uh trades, we want to talk all this stuff. I want to talk about our friends over at Fitbot NRD. It's the time of year when you're focusing on family, maybe friends. Uh, maybe you're you're about to start anew, right? So the next episode of Cold Stove, you here, we'll do one next week. But after that, it's time to buckle down, get your January, uh, maybe your some resolutions, some New Year's resolutions. And maybe one of them is to get more fit, get healthier, work on your body. And that's why Fitbot is the perfect app to do that. Building a workout routine should not take hours of research. You can go online and find a million different things. It'll say this, it'll say that. FitBot is the app that puts it all in one and makes it easy. Uh, FitBot app creates a workout routine that adapts as you improve and uses the equipment that you already have. So you can reach the next level without burning through all your free time or cash. So my favorite thing about FitBot NRD is the one, like I just mentioned, it's the equipment calculator. So basically you can put in, if you're in, for example, I have an apartment gym. So it's pretty good. But it's not, it's not a huge gym where I have 1,900 different things at my, my, my disposal so I can plug in exactly what I have. I have, uh, I have uh, you know a squat rack, but it's not uh, a, just a barbell. It's a Smith machine kind of thing. I have the, the treadmill cardio stuff. I have these weights, these dumbbell sizes, and you can plug everything in and it spits out your workout from those. And then the second thing I like most about it is it has like a, a, a muscle... Percentage calculator. So after your workout, you're, you can see your quads are at zero, your your lats are at zero, and then the next day they'll be at like 25%. It kind of builds in a recovery model so it knows what to work and when. Um, and getting started and sticking to a program are two of the biggest obstacles to exercising, not with FitBot. You can easily create a dynamic routine personalized to your equipment and goals. With the FitBod app, it's like if you want to bulk up, they got a workout program for you. If you want to just get lean or beach body kind of stuff, they got a program for you, fat loss, you name it, NRD. This thing does it all. Just add your equipment, pick a fitness goal, and FitBod will create a routine for you. Whether you've been missing gym time or hit a plateau, a fresh start has never been easier. Switches up exercises uh, to avoid overtraining. You can also say, like, if you just really fucking hate Squats, or if you really hate planks, you name it. If you really hate running, you can it's nay that, and it'll provide a replacement that'll get you to the same spot. Which um, works for me because I
1: hate planks. By the way,
0: i'm just going to interject. That's, I can't stand. Planks. That's fine. That's fine. I hate running. Like I just despise running. I would. I would re- much. I'd be on the elliptical all day if I could. Or the stair stepper climber, you name it. I fucking hate running. Sorry, bleep and hate running. Uh, so. It just provides you different things that you can do: bike sprints, you know, jumps in place. There's, there's, it just, it's so nice that you can be like, I just really don't like this, and Fitbod will provide a replacement immediately. So here's the deal: NRD, join Fitbod today and build a routine that grows with you without slimming down your wallet. A full year of Fitbod is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app free at our link in the description below or go to fitbod.me slash stove. That's the link in the description or F-I-T-B-O-D dot slash stove. All right, NRD, let's talk some hockey. Uh, we were talking trades earlier. Let's continue that. Athletic, or excuse me, the athletic released their trade board for the first time. Did you see this? Top 25 basically trade targets or, or names that would potentially be on the move.
1: Got a little snippet of it. I have to be careful what I say because I have a lot of friends at The Athletic, but mm-hmm. I, you couldn't pay me to subscribe to The Athletic right now. So through some back channels, I got a chance to see the list. Okay. Because I'm not giving them my money. But uh, but yes, it, the usual suspects at the top of their board, the Canes, the Tazes, and whatnot, the Horvats, the Bessers. Yeah, Horvat tops you know, the list, by the way. Horvath tops the list. That is true. You know, it's really interesting this time of year because, right, like we just talked about at the jump, the, the cold open, to cold stove, if you will, how these were starting to approach tra- this this time of year where names start percolating, the teams start to weed themselves out of it. But I agree with you, what you said at the beginning, in that a lot of teams are content to just hold on to what they have right now. We still aren't exactly sure what the cap figure is next year. Bettman came out. Originally, it was going to go up through 4 million. Bettman comes out and says maybe it only goes up 1 million now. Um, could be posturing to get those extra payments back from the PA before the end of the year. Who knows? It remains to be seen. But I still think we're in that holding pattern of, you know, if you're a team like the Rangers who have been so streaky, or you're a team like the Devils who have a chance to really go for it this year, you kinda wanna know what your situation is, not only in March, but beyond March, if you're gonna make that move, especially for some guys that have some term left, like a Besser or a Horvat or whatnot.
0: Totally. And you mentioned the cap figure. I have that in my notes for today's show. It just, it does seem like posturing, right? Like you, you don't come out in, it's not like that was a year ago that he was like, Oh, 4 million is, you know, potentially a possibility. And then in three months go to 1 million. So either HRR has been like crazy affected by something in the last 90 days, or I guess 60 days even, or, uh, it's posturing, which kind of is where my head is with that. Mm. Um, you know, odds are it ends up somewhere in the middle, right? Where, or or it has something to do with if we pay more back now, you can obviously the the cap will go up much higher in subsequent years, and it's kind of just like, all right, let's get out of the way. You know, whatever it may be, I think there's some negotiating that will be uh, well just out of the season. Call it that. Correct. So let's go into the trades targets. Right? We have Horvath. Chikrin is mentioned, obviously, Patrick Kane. Some surprising names to me, like a Timo Meyer and Ryan O'Reilly, make Mm -hmm. this list and are high up on this list. Um, Vlad uh, Gavrikov in Columbus, who Columbus may be a team that are kind of in the what's going on here and do we need to really break this thing down type of. Which is
1: so hard to do. I don't mean to cut you off there. It's just, it's so hard to break this thing down after dishing out the money that they just did to Johnny Goudreau and Patrick K. Uh, sorry, Patrick Line. Yeah. You know, it, obviously it doesn't preclude them from, from tearing this down to the studs, but what does it say for the morale of the players in that locker room? The, the, the Patrick line the Johnny Goudreau's and everybody else to say, we made these moves in the off season, similar to Chicago, right? It's, it's very, it's eerily similar mm-hmm. to the Blackhawks of last year or a couple of years ago, I'm sorry, where you go out and you get Seth Jones. You go out and you make the move for Tyler Johnson, even though he really never came back and played. But Marc-Andre Fleury is another name that they made the move for. Like You make those trades and set yourself up to go for it, and then it just falls so flat on your face. Then now you're like, what does it say to the guys in the locker room? Do we tear this thing down again? Brad Larson, obviously, I think he should be on the hot seat. I don't think he's that good of a head coach. Um, it's just... It, it, there's you can tear this down to the studs while keeping those contracts on the books. But at the same time, it, it sends a really bad message around the league if you're on my kick line and giving out that money and then realizing you really don't have the roster to supplement those two all-stars because they are all-stars.
0: Yeah, of course. And you look up and down their lineup and you're just... It's not bad. Everybody's favorite uh, draft pick, Igor Chinnikov. Remember him? He's playing well. But just something seems off. And I, I, I don't know if it's... it's yeah. Is it goaltending? Is that the easy? Is that the simplest answer here? Is that they don't have consistently good goaltending? And again, everybody's favorite saying: "Show me your coach, I'll show you your goalie." And Merzlikins is having one of you know uh, eight sixty four this year. Nrd, that's not getting the job done. But th- and and, then again, and, you know we've him, talked, right?
1: It's not all him, and and their defense is suspect. And Zach is out for the year, right, with a shoulder injury. So yeah, awesome. they have issues that go beyond you know the goaltending. It's just. You know, there's been so much pressure on the goaltenders in Columbus for the past couple of years, right? We've talked about Corpusala potentially being on the move, Merzlikens potentially being on the move, you know, the the tragedy that happened to Kilvenix or Kivlenx, I think if I'm pronouncing his name right, a couple of years back. It's just I feel like their goaltending has been through the ringer in Columbus, and this was their time to say, okay, we're not moving anybody off this roster. Elvis and Jonas are gonna get a chance to prove themselves. And they're kind of falling flat. And like we said, they have injuries on the blue line. It's not all their fault. But at the same time, you know, to, to be a good goaltender in this league, you kind of have to steal games. And they're just not goaltenders that are go- The two of them are not two goalies that are going to steal games mm-hmm. right
0: now. Something I found interesting about this trade list that came out was there were only two goaltenders on it. And they were both like 23rd and 25th on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is James Reimer and Talbot in. Uh, Minnesota. Are you surprised by that at all? Talbot in Ottawa. Ottawa, excuse me. I'm, I'm, thinking yeah, old, I'm thinking old Talbot.
1: Old Talbot. Um, Not really. You know, we've talked so many... We've had like a goaltending carousel around the league, both in free agency at the deadline for the past like three or four seasons now, it feels like with Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard and the potential of what, you know, the Stars were going to do last year with their four goaltenders, that quickly was whittled down to two. So <laughs> it, it doesn't... Yeah, basically one no Basically one. So... You know, it doesn't surprise me that we're not seeing this goaltending carousel that we've seen in years past. I think the teams that were needy in that spot fulfilled themselves, whether it was the right move or wrong move. I still think the jury's out on a lot of that in time to tell, whether it's, you know, Yorgiev in Colorado or, you know, Vitek Vanacek in New Jersey was playing well, right? Who's is playing really, really well. Or, you know, Seattle. So the goaltending market, and we talked about this carousel. It kind of is starting to slow down, if not have already stopped, because those teams that we've seen that have been looking for goaltending help, that those fringe contenders, the Minnesotas, the Colorado's, et cetera, et cetera, they got their guys, right? And whether they're the right move or the wrong move, they got them too soon from today that they're not going to be looking again, you know, next month or the month after that. They made those moves. They're going to have to kind of die on that sword proverbially with the goaltenders they acquired in the past couple of seasons. So it doesn't surprise me that we're not going to see the goaltending movement that we've seen in years past at this
0: deadline. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's kind of things are are, are settled a little bit in a way. Where the last couple of years. It's been flying all over the place. And you feel like we said Jack Campbell's name 900 times an episode. Yeah. Edmonton's another one that,
1: you know, I forgot to mention that got their guy, right? We right. talked about who's going to be the goaltender at Edmonton. They get Campbell. So that's another team off the market this year.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I still, man, I, I still think, like, I, I just, wait. when is Edmonton going to go on that 10-game winning streak or 11-game winning streak or, like, 17-game point streak? You know, like, they're they're just so due for one of those. And one of the guys that made this list was Jesse pooley Edmonton Oilers. Do you see him as, is that kind of the perfect change of scenery guy, potential <laughs> hockey trade sort of guy? Yes and no, right? Because
1: we've talked about his name for so long now. I think we're going on like the fourth season of RV needs a change of scenery trade. I'm like I'm pretty sure at one point when Leas Anderson was still with the Rangers, that was the move that was talked about, RV for Leas Anderson. So, he's been that change of scenery guy for so long now that I'm starting to get the impression from from teams is that he's not the change of scenery guy that the media likes to portray him as, like put RV in Pittsburgh on Crosby's wing or put RV in Washington and he'll just start to percolate the way he should. I'm, you know, I think the issues run a little bit deeper than that because this guy is clearly not really wanted at Edmonton. I mean, if mm-hmm. they wanted him in Edmonton, his name would not be out there with the fervor that it's been for the past like four seasons now. And and I think that's something to be said about the fact that other teams really aren't stepping up to acquire him because I could tell you firsthand the asking price is not rich because he's been available for so long. Right. So, I, like I said, I think he's one of those names that you know the media tends to hype up as this change of scenery guy. Somebody come get him. Similar to Eli Tolvanen in, in uh, Nashville, right, who was this beast in the KHL, comes in as a solid first couple of games as a rookie, get him out of Nashville, change of scenery, and then now he's on waivers and he's in Seattle and he's not really doing anything there. So I think Harvey sadly, is much more in that vein than the, you know, true change of scenery, put him on a new team and he'll thrive.
0: I think that the, the biggest problem in Edmonton is do you trade him before you get... Guys back, like Fogel's hurt, Ryan McCloud's hurt. The all Brad Merriman team, Evander Kane, Dude, obviously, yeah, you know, you hoping need one for of the best for him. But yeah, you need more bodies
1: right now, so I don't think you can make that move for Edmonton.
0: He's right now he's playing with uh, Dylan Holloway, who's like twelve, and they centered by James Hamblin, of obviously, you know, that James Hamblin that everybody knows. So of, of the Hamblin fan, <laughs> of course. And so that causes, you know, with guys out like that, all of a sudden then Leon and Connor are together and they're going to score, but you're kind of stuck. And then maybe that's why they haven't gone on their 10-day winning streak. Um,
1: Yeah, and they talked about adding grit to that lineup. They were in on Ryan Reeves. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: I wonder if they go get Nick DeLaurier out of Philly. Is Nick DeLaurier just like the, if you need juice and grit and jam, Mm -hmm. as our friends uh, Craig and and Petey say, is DeLaurier just the perpetual number one on the list for that.
1: Yeah, I mean him or Ryan Reeves, right? Yeah, it's like they've those been two. around the yeah. league. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I, I do wonder though, Edmonton talked about adding jam, adding that grit. Ryan Reeves is one of the names that was mentioned. You know, Minnesota, a team that they're gonna probably have to face early on in the playoffs, just got stronger with Ryan Reeves. I mean he threw a probably one of the, the dirtiest, cleanest hits I've ever seen on Phil Baronick the other night, um, on Wednesday night. So he adds that grit to that Minnesota team. I, I wonder if Edmonton steps up and get Nick and gets Nick Delorier at a Philly, team that's going to sell off here,
0: mm-hmm. come March. That you bring up an interesting point. You mentioned like the clean dirty hit, right? The a little bit of Twitter recently, and, and this is a small sample size, but I think it speaks to a larger thing in the NHL. Have you noticed big hits? now garner a response that like people need to immediately drop the gloves even though they're clean like there's just like clean big hits are pissing people off now and i I, yeah that kind of bothers me in a way it bothers
1: it bothers me too because we created the instigator rule for that reason yeah that was why we came up with instigating penalties you know Somebody throws a clean hit and, and a guy sticking up for his team, which honorable and just, they'll never fault anybody for doing sure. that, right? It's just But you, you don't throw the to... gloves and you just skate after Ryan Reeves for a clean hit while the play is going on. Right. You know, it, enforce the rules that you create. And, and to your point about, like, I say clean, dirty hit or dirty, clean hit. It was a clean hit. In my mm-hmm. opinion, the Reeves hit on Ronick is a clean hit. Reeves is a big boy. We know that. He's been in the league forever. Has he done some dirty shit? Absolutely. But also... Phil Pranik is, if I'm not mistaken, four foot 11 compared to Ryan Reeves. Mm-hmm. So like, where do you want Ryan Reeves to hit him? The shoulder wasn't up. He didn't leave the ice. The elbow wasn't up. He just went right through him. And sometimes it's going to happen when you get a smaller puck moving defenseman who's looking down at his feet and a big guy like Ryan Reeves. So it, it it was a brutal hit. It was similar to Scott Stevens. It reminded me of just open ice, just go out there mm-hmm. and kind of kill a guy, but don't kill a guy. But you know, it's just frustrating, like you said, to see that teams now feel like they have to respond in that way. And right, it, for, and it for, ruins the flow of the game.
0: Exactly. Just, like, let a big hit be a big hit. If it's yeah. dirty, by all means, go after them. And if it if it's after the whistle or if it's on the boards, if it's awkward like that, that's different. But if mm. it's just a big hit and and it happens, like happened with Jake when, Truba in
1: and, yeah. and AA, at in you know New York Chicago a couple weeks ago. it's which was another hit that, yeah, borderline and Truba has the history of it now for the last couple of years. But for all, if you looked at that through a microscope, it's a clean hit,
0: yeah. Like Daleen's hit a couple of people this year in Buffalo, and he gets three guys like immediately on him. It's like, I get don't don't smoke your stars type of thing. But when mm-hmm. it's a, a star like Daleen giving hit, it's like, what do you? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's something about it that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like, I, people shouldn't be untouchable. Like, if you hit Austin Matthews, you hit Austin Matthews. It's hockey. If you hit Connor, you hit Connor. Don't you like? We're not seeking like heat-seeking missiles here, because no. that's fucked up. But if they're in the run of play and they get decked, and they're fine and it's a clean hit, like shoulder to the chest or shoulder to shoulder type of stuff, that's hockey. We don't need to drop the gloves, and and I think people see it as an opportunity to get that like social clout in a way on their team. Like, oh, if Connor gets smoked, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go after somebody. Yeah, if he gets smoked, smoked. But if he gets in the run of play, hit, like hip checked and falls, th- that's hockey.
1: That's hockey, and this is gonna sound like a wild spin zone or a wild take, but I'm just mm-hmm. gonna throw it out there, and you know, hopefully, we'll get Some people tweet me, tweet Brad if you agree, disagree, but. You know it seems like like twenty years ago you had your guys on on the ice that would go out and throw those dirty hits. you had of your, course, your yes your Donald Brashears, your your Ann Ashrams your Chris Simons, your Sandy McCarthys, those Carcillo guys and right? and the, and the gang, yep, yes. who would throw those hits and you knew who you were going after, you knew who you needed to drop the gloves with because you knew one of those guys was going out there and running around like a chicken without his head. I wonder if part of the reason why this is happening more frequently now is because we don't have those guys in the league except for, you know, the very rare, the Ryan Reeves and the, the Nick Delorier's of the world. And even those guys are a little bit more skillful than back then and they can play. I wonder if a lot of these guys see those hits. They never really played in the game where those hits were thrown deliberately mm-hmm. by a couple of guys. So they just see a big hit and they think that a guy's going out there headhunting when really, you know, Reeves is not the most skillful player in the league, but he's he can hang tough with anybody out there in the league He's just going around there playing a physical game that these guys, these younger guys are not necessarily used to.
0: Uh, Um, I think that's a hundred, especially
1: from a younger age, when you get rid of body checking and this can go on and on and I don't want want to go on a tangent here, but when you get rid of a body checking and like peewees and kids are not used to throwing around the body in a legal clean way, Mm -hmm. when you see it, as you get to the league, you're like, what the fuck? He just took his head off. But really in the grand scheme of things, it's just a fast game and hits happen. Like, like you said, so. I wonder if that's part of it. Maybe that's a dinosaur take. Maybe it isn't. But I, I just wonder if it's because we don't have those guys back then that were throwing around elbows and whatnot. When it happens rarely nowadays, guys overreact because they don't I,
0: see it as much. Hundred percent. I think that's the perfect way to put it. I think we we probably lean on the more progressive side of hockey, right? Mm-hmm. We're 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 down for like the no fighting kind of stuff. We're down for the open up the offense, quick, 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 and it doesn't have to be that dump and chase physical game. But hockey's hockey. Like, we're, we're, exactly. there's tenants of hockey. Like, if the puck's in the corner and you throw a guy into the boards cleanly and he goes down, you shouldn't be jumped by three guys. Like, that's just how it is. Um, anyway, that's, that's a fun hockey, the rules of hockey tangent. Let's talk about one more team. Uh, who has, you, you'd think based on the way that people talk about them, they are some sort of like debacle. They, they, they can't win they're, they're last in the league but the Vancouver Canucks are 500 right now mm-hmm. we talked about their coach being you know on his way out and we talked about their GM having this awful run and but they're 500 and yeah. so why what what is the deal in that locker room in Vancouver NRD. What, what does Boudreaux have to do? What does Alvine have to do? What does Rutherford have to do? What does Horvath have to do? And is JT Miller just like, fuck all of you guys? Yeah, I mean, JT Miller got the bag, so I wouldn't be too angry if I was
1: JT Miller. No, um, exactly. He finally yeah, you got know that what? bag yeah. in his career. But, I, you know, I don't have an answer for you. I'm not going to try to act like I have an answer for you. The eye test, trademarked to torts, I owe him 25 cents in royalty checks for saying the <laughs> eye test. Uh, the eye test tells me that it's just not the right group, right? Like it's just not clicking for whatever reason. You have too many players that do the same team, not an, uh, do the same thing, not enough players that do set different things. Like it just seems like the roster that was put together is not the right group for what Vancouver needs for Bruce Brujo's style for, for the guys in that locker room. Factor Demko's hurt. It doesn't help things, but you know, it, cause it's not a bad team, right? There's some decent players, Connor Garland, you know, Niels Hoglander, fucking Horvat, Brock Besser, like Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes. There are good players on that roster. I just don't think they're balanced enough in the right way to play play complementary hockey in both zones. They have guys that can score. They have too many guys that hold on to the puck and skate around and do dipsy doodles. They don't get enough shots on net. They don't have the goaltending right now. So it's like they're not playing hockey 200 feet. They're playing hockey separate at parts, at times, in certain zones. I just don't think they have the right mesh of guys.
0: There's speak. a selfish kind of quality yeah. to their hockey. Correct. It kind of feels that way, and and then that sort of feels like it's transitioned to the locker room in a way. And maybe selfish locker room is the wrong word. It's definitely selfish hockey. But you know, Bo Horvat is sitting, and yeah. JT Miller went what JT went through, what JT Miller went through, and. Brock Besser went through what Brock Besser went through, and it has his, has his, Brock Besser has to sit there every day and hear his name in headlines, like every every day. Mm-hmm. Garland was the same. Like at some point, I think the way you steady the ship is just tell everybody else to fuck off, and like this is our team, and mm-hmm. we're like. Some sort of statement that either, yeah, we're going to blow it up or, nope, we're going to lock it down. Don't even call me. Don't call Jim Rutherford. Don't call Patrick Alvin. They got, you know, obviously there's some issues with, like, the Rachel Dory situation. Like, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, and don't don't discredit the media in Vancouver. They're tough on
1: that team. I mean, yeah. the media yeah. in Vancouver is really tough on the team. And I have a couple of friends out there. Rick Dollywall is a good friend of the show. <laughs> does great work. But, like, maybe outside of him. But the media in Vancouver is tough. And they're so scrutinized. They're really the only team in town. You know, rest in peace to the Grizz. But I I feel like that also plays a part that they're constantly on the back side of the paper every day talking about the Horvath drama, talking about the Vessel drama, talking about the Dorery situation. I feel like they're under such intense pressure in Vancouver. And listen, it's a professional sport. that comes along with the job, so I'm not making excuses. But I think that is also part of when you're in that rut, it's very hard to dig. It's very hard to dig yourself out of the hole when the media and the outside influences have the backhoe and they're just pouring that dirt right back into the hole. Right? It's just it just keeps it in that rut, and and I think that's what's happening right now in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, feels like a fresh start, much needed for a few different people in and around that organization. Let's stay in the Western Conference NRD. The St. Louis Blues, a team that we can't really figure out, I think is the best way to put it. They'll win four, they'll lose four, they'll win six, they'll lose six. Uh, Vlad Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly both appear on this trade list. What is St. Louis, and uh, do you buy this trade hype with with O'Reilly and Tarasenko?
1: You know, I almost rather not buy it with Tarasenko than I do with O'Reilly, right? Because O'Reilly's getting older. I think he's a valuable piece for a team that's going to make a deep run. You know, both every UFA's, year by the way, at the end of this year, both UFAs. And, and we talk every year about the same teams in the mix, right? Because that's what buyers do at the deadline. It's always going to be like last year was the Colorado, the Rangers, the, you know, the Boston Bruins and the Minnesota Wild. Like the teams that are in the mix are always in the mix. And there's a reason why these names keep coming up. These team names keep coming up to every available player because they're in that search. And, you know, you add you add a Ryan O'Reilly to a New Jersey Devils team that's young and it needs a veteran in that locker room and might have a chance to make some waves this off season, uh, this postseason. or you add him to a Boston team that can only get stronger up the middle, right? Like oh God. Ryan I O'Reilly, I
0: would hate O'Reilly on Boston. That's such a perfect fit. That's
1: such a perfect fit. So I, Ryan O'Reilly has more value for teams to make that move. than I think Vlad Tarasenko at this point, because so I think the teams that have been interested in Vlad Tarasenko been there, done that have had those talks with, with Doug Armstrong in the past couple of off seasons, right? Like if he didn't mm-hmm. go last off season, that I don't know if he ever will because Doug Armstrong has a price and he's sticking to it. And we know how stubborn he is as his general manager. So I almost rather believe the Ryan O'Reilly stuff because he's got such value to a team, similar to when he left Buffalo and came to St. Louis. I think he's got that same value to one of these younger teams now on the cusp of making a run. And in terms of the team as a whole, I think it makes sense for them just because they're only getting older in St. Louis, right? Colton Braco, these, these guys get another year older you have the younger guys in, in the Jordan Kairos and whatnot, but Barbashev, another guy that gets keep, keeps getting a year older. we all know my thoughts about Bennington as a goaltender so the further and further you go and remove yourself from that Stanley Cup run that miracle run a couple of years ago. maybe the writing's on the wall that it's time to change things up in St. Louis and you know maybe Doug Armstrong's starting to recognize that sooner than later.
0: It certainly feels like the the new iteration like the, like that cup team. Is I I mean that they're, they're they're close to being like gone, you know. Like if you yeah. have you have Cairo and, and Robert Thomas going from uh, two point eight to both getting eight point one two five next year, so basically you're t- you're saying O'Reilly and Tarasenko, they're not going to re-sign both of them. They're thirty one apiece. They're both making seven point five. Like that. Iteration of the St. Louis Blues that won the cup, it's coming to a, a quick end and sort of a, a convoluted end in a way. Sort of, and it's sad because you like to see teams beat Tampa or beat Colorado or be you know, the, these teams that sustain success year over year over year. Like, all, credit goes like the Penguins they're just a good hockey team and have been a good hockey team for like 20 years. I think it doesn't help
1: that it doesn't hurt. I should say that they've had Malkin and, and Sid for 20 years. I'm of course, tang, but of like- course,
0: but you, you build that core and you keep that core. A lot of these teams talk about this core and core and core and core. And Buffalo talks about their core, the core core. It's one thing to have the core and to have the setup for the core. It's another thing to keep it. Yeah.
1: And teams have done that. And, before I say this, let me just preface. Most of the St. Louis Blues fans on Twitter already hate me after my yes. comments a couple of weeks ago, so I don't care. I'm throwing this out there. Okay, Hate me even more. What's the worst that could happen to me? Because um, you can't dox me anymore on Elon's Twitter, so there you go. take that. Uh, you get suspended. Um, <laughs> no, I just... Let's not discredit for the fact, and they were a good team, and I don't want to take anything away from that St-, St. Louis Blues team that won a Stanley Cup, but what they did paralleled like Leicester city in the premier league. Like it was such a long shot. They were in last place in January. Did they get hot? Absolutely. Did Craig Barube come in as an interim coach and give them the right direction that they needed? Absolutely. But let's not act like they were a good club. That was a perennial contender. They sucked that year. And then yeah. they haven't really been back to that level since. So I don't want to piss off the rest of St. Louis that I haven't already pissed it off, but I wonder if that was more mirage than factual reality because they were not good that year. Let's not forget they were in last place in January, and they made that Cinderella run, and I don't want to take anything away from them because they had Bennington firing on all cylinders, and that team was great, but at the same time, they weren't good before that, and they haven't really been that great since mm-hmm. with the same core.
0: Agreed. Uh, let's stay in the central real quick. Anything uh, quickly on Taves and Kane?
1: Some people are saying they might not want to leave Chicago. Some people are saying they are. I, I think, I think Kane's going to be out. Okay. Tays might not move on. Uh, a little bit of a, a quiet, reserved guy, as we know, sometimes doesn't speak up when he should. So take that, Jonathan Taze. But I think Kane will be on the move. I think there's going to be enough suitors in play for Kane. Enough opportunity for him, whether it's the Rangers, whether it's the Washington Capitals. Um, whether it's the Edmonton Oilers, there's going to be enough opportunity for Patrick Kane out there that I think he will eventually move on, especially a 50% retain what's that. I think his country is like five to five at 50%. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's not including getting a third broker and party in there like in Arizona or in Anaheim. So I, I think Patrick Kane will be on the move. I, I'm not really buying the Patrick Kane wants to say I, I could see a world where Jonathan Tays isn't out of Chicago.
0: Interesting stuff there. Um, Next on my list, NRD. And we've given this team some shit, but now they've won five games in a row. And that is our, uh, our friends over in New York. Yeah. The Rangers uh, have, have heard this podcast, have heard some gallant slander, perhaps. They've turned it around a little bit, NRD. What do you see out of them right now? Is this, is this fluky or is this legit? It's streaky.
1: It's not fluky. It's not legit. It's just streaky. And that's how the Rangers have been this year. I mean, they they had a great year last year. I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've talked so much ad nauseum on this podcast about the fact that they got historic years from Chris Kreider and and, and Igor Sturgeon. And and they've been good, not great. But it's so noticeable when you go from historic to good, not great. That drop-off, that regression to the mean is so massive. And you see that in, in the way they play any given night. They're streaky. They're just a streaky club. Um, you're right. Gerard Gallant, Longtime listener of the cold stove podcast. Of course. I'm sure he heard, I'm sure he heard what I was saying about him on Twitter. Also a follower of NRD. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) I say that in jest, but you know, I, I still think they're missing the secret sauce that they had last year. And, and and I, you know, we can go on and on about the Lafreniere and the taco being bust. talk. I think we talked about that. If not last week, the week before on the show. I think they need a little bit more time to percolate. They are only 21 and 22 years old, respectively. So jury's still out there. But I don't know. I just like to see consistency, right? Because a five-game winning streak is great. But when it comes on the heels of a five-game losing streak, you're 510 games. So that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean shit to me in the grand scheme of things, right? So if you start 0-5 and then you win the next five in a row, you're 500. And you could say, well, we had a five-game winning streak. But before that, we had a five-game losing streak. So I'd like to see a little bit more consistent play. I'd like to see them win four, drop one, win three, drop two, win six, drop two. Like I'd like to see consistency instead of these four game swings where they would lose four in a row and they win four in a row, similar to St. Louis Blues that we just talked about.
0: Mm -hmm. It feels like they're they're relatively healthy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right? Like they're They're kind of finally, yeah they're they're kind of in a spot where it's like, okay, we're in mid December, we're pretty healthy, we have no. You know, if anything nicked up, no really long-term situations with injuries. Like now, it kind of feels like a time where they hit that ten and two, and then after they go ten and two, they go six and one, and then after they go they go six and one, they go eleven and four. Like it kind of feels like if there if if there's a pedal to the metal time, this feels like a a, a good spot for that. And if you were that if, if you if you were there in in New York. Is there a spot that maybe you look to in February? Like what is what is a trade deadline look like for the New York Rangers?
1: It can go in a lot of different directions because you don't have the money to make all the moves in the world. I think you can make the Patrick Kane move if that's what you think and you're, mm-hmm. you're Patrick Kane away. Um, but you could also do what you did most of last year. Pick up the Tyler Mott's of the world because Tyler Mott was a key contributor on that Rangers team last year, and Andrew Copp was another key contributor on that Rangers team, especially come the playoffs, you know? Mm-hmm. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can make those moves instead of a Patrick Kane, which you can argue the Rangers need that right now. Like, VC is not going to put up two goals a game like he did last night against Toronto. <laughs> and, and, and who the fuck knows what's going on with Vital- Vitali Kravsov? So, you might need those third or fourth line pieces. Because Ryan Carpenter's not great either, and that's you know I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he's not playing to his standards. So, is Patrick Kane the big ticket, or is the big ticket shoring up what they have on that third and fourth line? And you can argue that if you're going to let Lafreniere and Kako get those first and second line minutes, then you're going to have to rebuild what players with Barkley Goodrow on the you know
0: third and fourth line. Let's whip around the lead some stuff that has uh, kind of come up and outside off the ice. I guess. First of all, NRD, uh, shouts to the PHF for doubling the salary uh, for their women's hockey league salary cap, I should say across the the teams. Anything on the PHF? No, it's a
1: cool, it's a cool thing for them. It, it means that money's coming into the league. Right? I don't mm-hmm. think they're writing, you know, checks that are going to bounce. So it's it's a good thing for the league that the investment's there from the ownership. You have some solid talent coming into the game. You have some solid coaching talent too. I mean. See a lot of former players getting involved in coaching. Colton Orr coaches in Toronto or or Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken, the PHF. So, some former NHLers showing love to the league, getting involved. Salary cap going up to over a million. I think it's 1.5 million. So, a historic number for them. So, shout out,
0: pretty cool. And and I I will always be a proponent of those leagues combining. That's the PHF and the PW. P-A-tion. me too. and i think that's you know, it, it's needed at this point it, 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 i think we get there i know they're far apart still i know there's a lot of political sort of behind the scenes the you know backstabbing i've heard it, it's nasty because but ultimately they all want the same thing and mm-hmm. that is professional women's hockey to be one uh viable financially correct two like and, I, and when i say viable financially i don't necessarily mean the success of like You're not going to make money hand over fist year over year as a league, but the women that play in that league should be earning a full-time salary. Like you should be able to play hockey professionally and make a full-time salary. Now full-time, you know, there's a lot of, if you live in New York, full-time salary is very different than if you live in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? And that's just how it is. So there's a little bit of that that is, needs to be massaged, right? But I think financially, um, competition-wise, marketing-wise, you got to have the best playing the best. And that's when you bring the leads together. So hopefully we get there at some point. Regardless of that, steps in the right direction. Right? Uh, Next on the list, NRD, I have Ryan Reynolds and uh, his group, a legit option in the Ottawa Senators' sweepstakes. Anything on that? I do know he said he'll be a fan with the most rabid,
1: what do you say, the most ferocious and rabid fan the NHL has ever seen. I, you know, I think mm-hmm. the NHL needs a Mark Cuban, so that would be yeah. fantastic. He's there in the owner's box every game and the
0: camera keeps cutting to Ryan Reynolds. Shot, hey. A little shot in the arm, yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll keep him there. You know, he'll and, keep and him I know there. that's, that's and kind I, of already built in, but he will be happy about keeping him there.
1: He will, and, and obviously it's buzzword season for the Ottawa Senators. People are going to throw around buzzwords, these ownership groups that are going to come in, they want to change this, the culture, whatever. I do believe him when he says he wants to build the Ottawa Senators into a global brand and not just a Canadian brand, because I love look that. what he did with Rexham, right? Mm-hmm. You know, over in England, and there's a documentary on FX and Hulu and whatnot. So I, I like what he's doing there. I think you can extrapolate that over here to the NHL, especially because of where hockey stands in America. I think you could turn the Ottawa Senators into you know, a premier organization, if not on the ice, just because of the brand that he builds off the ice. I mean, look, you know, a a lot of people in the United States, uh, you know, I I hate to say it I hate to admit it, but a lot of people in the United States, but a a lot of fans like the Toronto Maple Leafs because of Justin Bieber, what he does with, you know, with his Drew brand and whatnot, the third jerseys and whatnot, and they see him rocking a Leafs jersey. So they rock a Leafs jersey. So I think Ryan Reynolds could do a lot similar for the Ottawa Senators brand. I really hope he gets the team. I, I do believe the passion's there. I don't think this is just a money grab or a publicity stunt for him. Grew up in Ottawa, uh, then moved to Vancouver. I, I think there's a lot of passion in the game from him. I hope he gets it. Obviously, he doesn't have enough money to do it on his own.
0: Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with you. He would be, He's a great guy to lead some sort of ownership group mm-hmm. that comes together. He's sort of the face of financial backers that can get up to the price that they need in order to buy the team. He'd be great for the lead. He'd be a great face for the, for the, the franchise mm-hmm. and sort of the, the new model of ownership moving forward yeah. that we're kind of moving away from family-owned teams into ownership groups that want a larger piece of whether it's the broadcasting you know control or whether like the, the inner sanctum getting the players and getting the people that are in that organization out and marketed in front of a, a more diverse and, and larger group of people.
1: Well, yeah, really quick, I'll keep this tangent very short because we're keeping this one tight, but, you know, I liken it too. I, I dabble every once in a while in, in the, the cars doing the zoomies around the track, and and look what Michael Jordan has done for NASCAR coming in as an owner in Pitbull. They're two team owners now in NASCAR, if you don't know that, now you do. Michael Jordan comes in, and, and, and they've had a TV, long-standing TV agreement between the race teams and NASCAR. Michael Jordan comes in, brings a different perspective, and now they're negotiating their TV deal for more pieces of the pie for the race teams, so... It's always good, also in that aspect, like you just said, for the players and the teams and marketing to have, you know, a celebrity of that status come in and say, "I have fresh ideas. Why aren't we doing this this way? Why aren't we marketing the players this way?" We've seen it in NASCAR. I mean, there's no reason why we can't see it in the Love NHL. That.
0: Well, what'd you call it? Zoomies around the loop. The zoomies around the loop. NASCAR. Goodness, what a name! Uh, Alex Ovechkin, 800 goals—only the third person ever to do it. Uh, it was cool to see uh, one of those heat charts that the. You know, analysts and, and statisticians like to throw out there. I think it's in, in his office, the OV office is just like bright, glowing red. It's like melted through. It's like the core yes. of the earth. Yeah. It's just melted <laughs> exactly. through the ice. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on OV getting 800 and where do we go from here? Uh,
1: I had a long conversation about this with a couple of friends yesterday. Okay. I do think Alex Oveshkin could be regarded as a top three hockey player of all time if he passes Wayne Gretzky. I think you have to put it Gretzky, Howe, Ovechkin, and, and yes, he's not the complete player that Gretzky was. Um, he's not the hockey IQ superstar that Sidney Crosby has been. But we're talking about one of the most untouchable records in sports that we have talked about: this goals record, right? The points record will never be touched because it's hard enough to score eight ninety four, and then Gretzky has another a thousand to eleven 1, hundred points oh, yeah, assists, oh, yeah. so that'll never be touched. So. The next record that we all talk about is the goals record. I think it's up there with, like, Cal Ripken's Ironman streak and, and you know, I don't know, Wilt Chamberlain's points record in a single game. So, like, there are stats that we never thought would be touched. I think Gretzky's 894 is one of them. He's only 94 goals, 95 goals away. He needs, or I'm sorry, yeah, 95 right now. I think he'll be 75 back by the end of this year. Maybe he puts another, another 20. That's very conservative, maybe up to 35 this year and then three years of 25 goals to get to 75. I mean, he's going to do it. You have to accept the reality that barring anything injury-wise or knock on wood, <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen to him, he's going to pass 894. So accept that if you don't like it. And I think you have to recognize this guy is one of the greatest hockey players of all time if he does.
0: You know, your initial comment like threw me for a loop a little bit, but I, I think I agree with Like, If you're the best goal scorer of all time, especially in an era of not scoring goals, right? Like 2005 to 2011, Mm -hmm. 12 was still kind of that end of the 1990s, 2000s hockey where defense is prioritized and two to one is a good win in the eyes of a lot of people. And then it became three, two is a good win. And now it's probably more, Hey, four, three is a good win, right? I think. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Active players, Active goal scorers, obviously Ovechkin's 800. He's got one more to catch, Gordie Howe. Two is Crosby at 534. Who is number three? Active goal scores right now.
1: Steven Stamkos.
0: There it is. Steven Stamkos at 497. Can't stomp me, Brett. Well done, NRD. I figured you'd be up there, but I you know, wasn't wasn't for sure. But, yeah, Steve Stamkos, 497. That'll be a cool uh, for him to get 500.
1: Yeah, he's going to get to 500 in the next couple of nights. That'll be cool. I mean, I'm just still stuck on the Ovechkin thing, and I don't want to take up the rest of the show talking about it. But, really, you have to recognize the fact, right, that, like, you can't compare cross era, it's just not fair to Gordy Howe. It's not fair to Wayne Gretzky. No,
0: no, 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 right?
1: Gordy Howe played when you couldn't lift the puck, Gretzky played against Plumbers. <laughs> and, and then he, see, the cool thing about Gretzky is he played long enough that you kind of span from the 80s when it was like the, the everybody was hopped up on speed and guys were running around their era all the way through to the dead puck and the two line pass era in the 90s, the late 90s. So Gretzky kind of seen a little bit of both, so you can't talk about him. But in terms of this era, and I and I love Sid, I think Sid is one of the Smartest, wisest. I think he's the closest ingrained to Wayne Gretzky in in style and the way he plays the game. But it's hard not to recognize Alex Ovechkin as the best hockey player of this era, top three hockey player of all time. If he if he puts up nine hundred goals, because he's going to, he could hit a thousand, right? If he plays for another five years, he could potentially a thousand.
0: That uh, I think a thousand's a stretch, but I I think I he mean, could he could, and maybe I'm just sipping the Kool
1: Aid right now, but he could, and that's the point, and that's something that. You know, you never thought would happen, which is why you just have to you have to kind of bite your tongue and say, oh, my God, Alex Ovechkin might be the greatest, arguably the greatest hockey player of all time. He scores, you know, 900, 950 goals.
0: Yeah, I mean, until Connor gets more seasoned, right? Ten years from now, Conor will be that. But uh, right now, you look at the career. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have a huge argument against it because he just plays the game differently, and there's a couple of guys in the league that do it. He is one of them, and it's cool to see. It's yep. very cool to see. Um, last couple ones, according to Gary Bettman, fans love the digital ads on the boards behind the net. Do you uh, share that sentiment? That what what did he call it? Fans call the game more watchable with yes. digital ads. What so, What crack pipe uh, were you feeding him from the desk below, NRD?
1: I also love to make fun of the digital ads on Twitter. I think it's <laughs> hilarious. I, I think it's a great thing. I think we've galvanized as a hockey community just to rip on these bullshit ads that they have going on during the game. It's nothing more than a play to, to make up more revenue in the league. Sure, which I'm all
0: for. more yeah, great, more money in but, hockey, the better for me.
1: Yeah, just, just to shout out Judge Judy, don't piss down my leg and tell me it's raining. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, yeah. don't mm-hmm. tell me that the fans like this. It makes the game more watchable. Just accept it for what it is. The league's bringing it. All he could have done was sat there and said, you know, the league's bringing in great revenue from it. And he could have said need. that. And, and we could have been like, yeah. FNA Barry, uh, Barry, FNA, uh, I'm Barry Trotz, <laughs> FNA Gary. Like, yeah, you could have done that. But he said the fans find the game more watchable. I don't know. I never got that survey.
0: No, so nobody did. You, did. Yeah, nobody, nobody did. This, yeah, and if they did, it was the NHL employee office. They sent around <laughs> 60, 60 emails, said, "Please respond to this survey," and they took it from there. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, yeah, at the, it's, at the, it's at the very joke. at the very best, they're you know you don't notice them, or you know obviously that's kind of not the point. You want them to be noticed, but th- it's like a referee, right, in a game. If you notice him, he's probably done a bad job. Mm-hmm. Or something happened. Correct. If you don't notice the refs and you don't notice the ads, fine. That's that's best case scenario. I certainly don't – they don't make the game more watchable. No. That's for sure. But I, 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 like the, I like the old Dasher boards that used to have the, the lights in them. Remember that and you could switch on like yeah. that? And they make kind of – it's like a Christmas light feel.
1: Yep. I like the LED Dasher. I just – I would like to meet and shake the hand of the male or female that turns on the game on Tuesday or Wednesday night and says, I'm watching it because of those dashboards. <laughs> so if you exist out there, please tweet us at NHLRupusDaily at Schmerman at Cold Stove Pod. I want to meet you. I want to shake your hand because I know you don't exist.
0: NRD doing my job for me there. Um, last one. Yep. Last one, NRD. On the NHL has uh, mentioned potentially a schedule tweak. And part of the schedule tweak would be, one, to get more rivalry games, more specifically geographic rivalry games involved, uh, and two, making more money because of it. Uh, your thoughts on kind of the the whispers and sort of the floated-out-there schedule changes as we move forward to the next couple of years?
1: You know, I think the schedule is just too long. I don't think we need to play 82. And, oh, and maybe I,
0: I, I think that's a sacred dubber now. I think you can't switch. because You that...
1: can't switch it, right? Like, I understand that. And it's only going to get bigger when you add more teams to the league, right? Like we talked about last week, if you go to 34 or 36, you have to play more than 82. But if, if you're keeping with this, every team should play in every arena mentality. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like the, the games lose their meaning at, at 82 games because you're only playing. Like, I do agree that we need more. We need more. Battle of Alberta matchups. I don't think you need to play them eight times, though. That being said... It's going to go think up to th- eight, is sort of the... Yeah, yeah so and kinda, that's the you rumor. Kinda,
0: you water down these rivalries,
1: You right? water... I think there's... I think on the inverse side, like, I, I think it's wrong that the Rangers and Islanders only play three times a year, or the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames only play three times a year. On the flip side, I don't think the Rangers and Islanders need to play eight times a year. I don't think that the okay. Flames and the Oilers need to play eight times a year. This isn't a Campbell Conference in the Wales division, or whatever the fuck they used to call it. I think you... You dilute the product when you do that at the same time. I'm a proponent of shortening the schedule. That'll never happen. And to kind of tangentially talk about one other thing that came out of that, the playoffs, changing the playoff structure with that schedule change. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the playoff structure right now. I think it gives the divisions meaning. You know, Otherwise, don't have divisions. Just have conferences. Yep, because in the yep, old yep. style, I mean, what? A, shout out to the Southeast Division and the Atlantic. Right going back oh,
0: I miss the old style so much. The
1: Atlantic and the Southeast with the Atlanta Thrashers and the Tampa Bay Light and the Florida Panthers. So like those divisions really didn't have meaning because it's not like if you won the division you gotta buy or anything like that. It's not like you, you got a preferred seed for what it's not like if you won a division you're one of the top three seeds. So it was just one V eight anyway. So I don't like changing the playoff structure. I think now it gives the divisions meaning. Otherwise just get rid of divisions. But yeah, I just it, I I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong that they play each other so little, these rivalry matchups. I also think that you don't need to play each other eight times a year. I think it dilutes the
0: product. I agree. I agree. How about this? Ten teams make the playoffs. You go back to conferences. Ten teams make the playoffs from each top two teams in each conference get a bye, and you just start it like the NFL. It's yeah. those eight play, and then those eight play, and then those four play, and then those two play, then those one. So don't you, you have to add another series, but maybe that first series is best of three or best of five. Don't hate that. Boom! We look at us, hockey. RD. Look at us, look at us. Who would have thought? Make the USHL, um, or we will fetch junior hockey at some point too. An American junior hockey league is much much needed, and uh, we just finished hockey playoffs. Look at us. We did. We did. Nrd, that's going to do it for us today. Anything before we bounce?
1: Ah, uh, no. i feeling great. I thought it was a good one. Kept it tight. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh,
0: enjoyed the,
1: the takes because I think I thought like this was a takey episode.
0: Take the episode for sure. We'll see you guys next week. We are Coldstove uh, at Pod Cold on Twitter and Instagram. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on both of those platforms as well. That is my buddy NRD NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. You're not going anywhere, are you? Not going anywhere. He's only getting. He's only picking up here. We're we're getting going. Talk about just their work work life balance. We're 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 changing some knobs. We're tu- we're fine tuning right now. Fine tuning, my man. I will see you guys next week. We'll be off the week after for uh christmas correct and etc uh and then we'll sp- we'll pick things back up in january but we got one more coming for you next week we so do. uh don't don't go anywhere yep. all right nrd thank you catch y'all next week
1: see you